What's going on, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend, Temu Arena. Temu is the co-author of the Biohackers Handbook and the founder and curator of the internationally renowned health and wellness conference, the Biohackers Summit, which takes place every year in Scandinavia. I had the pleasure of meeting Temu when he invited me to keynote the summit uh, about two years ago, and I'm excited to announce that I will be speaking there again at the end of this year. It takes place in Helsinki, Finland, and we're going to share details with you uh, later in the episode. But over the next hour, you're going to pick up a lot of incredible and actionable information. Among other things, you're going to discover what biohacking is from one of the world's most well-known biohackers, how Temu leveraged his expertise in technology to heal himself of an increasingly common gastrointestinal condition, Temu's morning cocktail for optimal nutrition and mental clarity. It's not lemon water, you guys, nor is it a smoothie. The top medicinal mushrooms and their specific applications, including one that I'd never heard of before, how Temu gives a workout to his cardiovascular system without any cardio equipment required, the method that he uses to reduce his risk of contracting seasonal flu by 66%, and so much more. I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those episodes that you come back to again and again. Um, At the very least, be prepared to take notes because Temu definitely brings the knowledge. Now, before we get into it, this episode of the show is sponsored by my good friends at Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic produces an entire line of Uh, products charged with medicinal mushrooms. And I'm super excited to have Temu on this episode of the show because Temu um, is an expert in medicinal mushrooms. And actually, it was in Stockholm about two years ago with Temu and the rest of the Biohacker Summit team where I got to try medicinal mushrooms for the first time. I remember it was uh, super soothing um, to get down with some reishi after uh, the day that we had. We were hopping back and forth between Um, sauna and cold plunge after the summit had concluded, and I really enjoyed the experience. If you want to check out anything at Four Sigmatic, head over to foursigmatic.com slash max or use promo code max and you'll get to save 15% off of everything in their online store. And of course, as I mentioned over the next hour, we're going to touch on various medicinal mushrooms and their specific potential applications. Now, please take a minute to support The Genius Life, you guys. You can do that um, via one of three ways, or all three. You can leave a rating and review on iTunes. I read every single uh, review. And by leaving that rating, you're going to help draw new listeners to the show because nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd, and it helps the show rise up the ranks. Um, And I would really, really appreciate that. The second way that you can support The Genius Life, of course, is by spreading the word about it. Post it up on your Instagram stories, tweet a link. I would really appreciate anything that you do to help draw uh, your community to The Genius Life. That would be amazing. The third way that you can support the show is by joining my newsletter. All you got to do is go to maxlugavir.com and enter your first and last name, and uh, we'll be in touch. Every week, I send out a newsletter um, with product recommendations, exclusive discounts, and science that has the potential to change your life. I handwrite it myself, and you can opt out anytime if, uh, you know, you don't like what I'm putting down, but I promise you that you will. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, uh, as always, to my introductions. And now, without further ado, I'm excited to introduce you to Temu Arena. And don't forget that you can pick up the Biohacker's Handbook. Um, He gives you a discount code uh, at some point in the episode. And you can meet Temu and me at the Biohacker Summit this November, um, again, in Helsinki, Finland. And we're going to talk about that too. There's a lot of information um, that you are going to uh, get over the next hour. And uh, I really hope you enjoy it. So let's rock. Temu, thank you so much for being here with me, man. This is, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to chat with you. We met about, I don't know, three years ago, perhaps. Uh, you invited me to speak at the Biohacker Summit in Stockholm, Sweden, and it was honestly one of the greatest experiences of my life. Uh, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. It was incredible. Let's just start at the top. Like, I mean, I, I would love to get sort of a definition from you for biohacking. I mean, what, what does biohacking mean to you? Yeah, we, we met definitely in Stockholm uh, here in the northern Scandinavia. I'm from Finland, and I live in Helsinki and between Tallinn uh, Estonia, actually, nowadays, uh, in both places. And if we dive deep into biohacking, uh, maybe I start with my own kind of story, my own journey, how I got into this. So I have a 
highly technical background. I, I've been a CTO of a technology company. Uh, so I, I'm, I've been basically a hacker myself, building code and understanding how code works. And uh, I've been building startups and startup companies, raising funding for them. I've been doing management consultation. And uh, while I was doing those things in uh, simultaneously, I was doing top management consulting for some of the largest companies in the world, including, uh, for example, several wholesalers and uh, mobile operators, as well as uh, mobile device manufacturers. You might guess what one of those was because I'm from Finland. Now, while working also simultaneously on a startup, I was sleeping four hours a night and uh, I was I, I thought I, I was a high performer. I was really kicking ass. I bet many of your listeners can relate to that is, is that for many companies and individuals, high performance still means basically uh, beating yourself to death, um, <laughs> working long hours until early morning hours on presentations and thinking that you're a high performer. I, I can say, I can attest that that was not a healthy high performance culture because I got an ulcer before the age of 30. I got diagnosed for an ulcer uh, that first started with uh, some pain that was lingering around. And when I ate something, it went away. And eventually it got worse and worse. And I got to the doctor's office and I got diagnosed for an ulcer and I got some medication. The medication was designed to take the, uh, basically the stomach as it levels down so that the wound in my stomach would be able to heal. Those are called proton pump inhibitors. And uh, yeah, uh, lo and behold, it basically took the pain away, but it really didn't bring my energy levels back. I continued working. And after six weeks, once the medication ran out, I went back, back to the doctor's office and I got prescribed more. And that's the point when I went online. I started researching what, what, I'm, what am I taking, what are proton pump inhibitors, uh, gut issues, inflammation, ulcers. And I started realizing that I shouldn't be on this medication for you know chronically a long period of time. It's only meant for temporary fix because you have stomach acids for a reason. So if you can't if you don't have high stomach acid you, you know you're not going to digest your food you get more easily fungal and bacterial infections and all this so and undigested food obviously constip uh, different kind of uh, gut issues and uh, yeah i started manifesting some of those effects as well and my doctor couldn't really help so i did what i'm good at which is uh, systems thinking i started looking at the human body as a as a biological computer i started looking at it face-to-face, uh, -face, um, because I couldn't get external help, I started researching things. I went to online databases uh, on PubMed, PubMed researching these things. I'm pretty good at research, so I went really deep. And, um, and I don't believe in any gurus, and I think you shouldn't either believe in any single health or uh, nutrition or dietary guru out there. You should, you know, research different um, experts and uh, philosophies and thinkers and scientists and then you know make your own conclusions and that's how i i got into this and i designed this protocol which was basically intended to restore the balance um so my hypothesis was that i had caused an imbalance systemic a systematic or systemic imbalance in my body that uh, led to chronic inflammation and the fix was to restore the balance so that included things like sleeping more it included uh, stress stress management tactics like breathing techniques and meditation it included uh, also dietary interventions i, I designed basically an anti-inflammatory diet i was not aware at that point of time any of the nowadays uh, dietary fads like ketogenic diet or or some branded ones like the bulletproof diet i was not aware of those but my conclusion from the research was pretty similar was to basically increase the intake of fats and lower the intake of inflammatory compounds um, those being poor quality uh, fatty acids or uh, even specific foodborne uh, toxins, uh, including heterocyclic amines um, uh, and advanced glycation end products. So I started basically making stews and um, soups and 
I, I started looking into food preparation methods with sous vide instead of um, cooking with a pan. And I also started looking at intake more, uh, taking in more plant-based material, but avoiding simultaneously those kind of plants that have um, anti-nutrients in them, including lectins and sub, uh, certain certain supplements and that were not necessarily helpful in my situation. And when I started this protocol, I discussed with my doctor, double-checked on it, and she said that, wow, this, this is pretty profound research, and I'm not an expert in all of this, but most people, they are not able to change their behavior. So you, you tell them that you should quit smoking, they still keep on smoking. You say you shouldn't be drinking, they still, you know, touch the bottle and everyone thinks that you know none of these recommendations really apply to you um, but so we can so basically we come up with all kinds of excuses why these healthy lifestyle interventions that we know very well of are not really uh, touching us uh, but someone else so she asked me how on earth are you going to do all of these changes you're basically changing everything in your life including you know, the way you work, the way you deal with stress, the way you eat, the way you hydrate yourself, the way, way you recover. And my answer was quantified self, self-knowledge through numbers. So I started researching different tools and technologies that enable me to make this black box visible. How can I make the human body that was an input process output, food in, something happens, something comes out energy inflammation you name it i start i basically started looking at how can i make this as transparent as possible so if i do interventions do i see a change and i started looking at blood work i started looking at wearables i started looking at ways of measuring myself in different ways uh either manually um keeping a diary or 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 using technologies or even even automatic ways of using sensors and and, I, and basically, that led me to understanding that the human body is a cybernetic system. Just like in cybernetics, for a system, there is an input, there is a process, there is an output, and then there is a feedback loop through which it learns. That's what we talk about when we talk, when we talk about artificial intelligence today. You need, for any kind of machine learning algorithm, you need massive amounts of data and based on the inputs, well, uh, the algorithm does something and there's an output. You measure the output and based on that, you modify how you deal with the input next time. That's how human beings also work uh, and true evolution for our survival. Basically keeping us alive, uh, helping us find mates, helping us find food, keeping us away from danger. Now, that's great. But if you want to modify your behavior where something is not right uh, we are robots and we easily repeat things that give us pleasure like smoking and drinking and eating crappy foods which are also releasing the yeah the neurotransmitters that reward us so getting to the definition of biohacking biohacking to me is basically the application of systems thinking and a deep understanding of human physiology and uh, latest understanding from science and experts to modify your inputs uh, in such a way that it maximizes your health, well-being, and performance. So in medical terms, it is about restoring the homeostasis, bringing the system into balance. I'm not a big believer in biohacking as better, faster, stronger, meaning that you know you should like perform at your maximum all the time. I don't like that kind of language. I'm from Europe. I'm not from US. And for us, life is really about the balance. And I don't want to sleep four hours a night, you know, working into early mornings and popping a bunch of nootropics and pills and coffee and whatever anti-inflammatory compounds and thinking that I'm going to get away with it. Um, I want to live a healthy lifestyle that uh, takes into account our latest understanding of science and performance and well-being and to me high performance a healthy high performance culture in the end is not doing more but it is about doing less and more intelligently and more wisely 
So that's kind of my take on biohacking. We can dive deeper into it. Wow. I mean, if I could uh, just verbally lay the praise emoji onto what you just said, um, if there was a way to do that, I would. Uh, needless to say, I think, you know, I couldn't agree more. I just want to touch on the, the philosophy behind what you do a little bit, because obviously, you know, it was motivated by a physical dis-ease. You know, you had this, this ulcer, which kind of kicked off the journey for you. But some might argue that, you know, we're overcomplicating things. So why do you, you know, and certainly our hunter-gatherers didn't have to go through all of this effort and research to live healthy lives. What do you think it is about the modern world that requires such analytical um, and diligent systems thinking and action to, so that we can, you know, just achieve balance and homeostasis and well, well-being. Hmm. Well, if we start from some examples, if we talk about food, now there's a huge trend on things like organic food or even biodynamic food. Now for, you know, even our grandparents, there was no organic food. All food was organic. <laughs> and then something happened which was mass production of food and uh, food additives and a bunch of other things and, uh, uh, you know, industrial agriculture. And now to be able to access what is, what is supposedly normal for our species, we have a label for it. Right. It's an organic food. So to me, something went horribly wrong in the last hundred of years of uh, industrialization of our food chain. And that, requires that we are more aware we should be more analytical more aware of what we are putting into our mouths because if you take something like salmon i'm from the northern region salmon is big like norwegian salmon now if you take the whole food chain where do you think the omega-3 in your fish is coming from it doesn't come from thin air it comes from the food web it comes from the food chain down from the phytoplankton so phytoplankton krill you go up the food chain and you end up in a salmon uh, it's a predatory fish so it eats another fish and it accumulates throughout the food chain into its flesh now if you replace the natural food source with let's say a plant-based grain or something you start feeding them soy uh, and then you you try to fake the uh, phospholipids uh, by adding different kind of additives into the into the food that they're getting maybe you are adding some vitamins like because if you feed a salmon not their natural diet they're not getting enough um, certain vitamins that would make the color even the reddish that we are used to they need to add that to the feed right. and it looks like a salmon but it doesn't taste like one it's it doesn't actually even look like one if you compare it to a real a real uh, original salmon you compare the flesh i think it's much more red they sometimes use coloring. Now, it's not going to, you know, provide that benefit to your cellular membranes either. So to me, it's extremely important that we take a look at not just what we are eating, like let's say a plant, like a broccoli, but you also look at what that plant was eating specifically. And if that came from the real original source, so it, did that plant grow in a soil, in a symbiotic relationship? with fungus, with bacteria, with a rich micronutrient environment that would then result in rich and condensed absorption of those nutrients that you can see in the vigor and in the color of the leaves, uh, maybe a much darker green, maybe a much, much more flavor, maybe more bitter compounds. What easily happens through industrial, uh, industrial manufacturing process, you you remove the bitter compounds, you replace them with more sugary compounds. So you get more volume, you get more size because sugar binds water. So you get bigger tomatoes, you get bigger everything, but it doesn't taste anything. It doesn't have any vigor. It didn't have to fight for its existence. Right. And yeah, if we really want to kind of uh, get the you know biggest bang for the buck, we should go to the source. So if I give you some examples, Nowadays, when you go to a grocery store, we think that maybe the herbs like fresh parsley and um, cilantro or, uh, yeah, uh, you name it, uh, maybe some Mediterranean herbs are the most nutrient-dense spices we have there. 
No, those are not. You have much better stuff growing on your backyard, on your front yard. Wow. You have things like dandelion. Yeah, you have things like dandelion. You have things like uh, stinging nettles. Now, a handful of stinging, stinging nettles has more nutrients than a whole big plastic bag of lettuce. Lettuce, to me, is a genius way not necessarily a genius food, but a genius way to sell water. Sell, it's a genius way to sell water to people. It's not really a nutrient-dense plant. Now, you get some fiber, but you're not getting you know, all, all those things that your cellular membranes might need for proper functioning or those, all those uh, anti-inflammatory compounds. What, kind of, um, what, what I notice is that if you look at food labeling, it's often about minerals, macronutrients, and certain vitamins. But the labels never list, if you take a blueberry, for example, uh, and uh, by the way, I'm not eating blueberries, I eat bilberries, which are the original uh, berry that grows here locally in the forest. It's a much more tougher guy uh, compared to the blueberry, the bush, which is a Wussy, it's not doesn't even have exponentially as many antioxidants. It has much more sugar. But anyway, if you take a blueberry uh, and you look at the uh, anthocyanins in it that give it the uh, really dark bluish color, now those are extremely important for uh, their anti-inflammatory properties. And if you sit in front of your computer long periods of time, getting some bilberries into your diet will reduce your risk for getting uh, some uh, retinal problems because the building blocks for your retinal cells are actually very abundant in something like bilberries or things like C. buckthorn. So, and C. buckthorn, by the way, is one berry that is very abundant here where I live. My morning drink is not, if, if I'm talking about like biohacks, is not like some water uh, from tap with lemon and maybe a pinch of salt, like many uh, you know, are recommending in the health circles. My morning water is birch water, nowadays actually, combined with sea buckthorn extract and juice from a fresh berry that gives a ton of, a ton of uh, acidic compounds and vitamin C and... Uh, and um, a bunch of different vitamins and all the colorful things that are very good for my eyes. And yeah, talking about the micronutrients, now birch water already provides a bunch of those. And instead of sugar, it has xylitol in it, which is very good for the, the health of your teeth, for example. Mm -hmm. That's why we have xylitol gums. So, so there you have it. There is exponentially infinite ways to optimize and upgrade the different things that you're doing on a daily basis. As a biohacker, what I'm focused on are the small, smallest things that you're doing every day, that you're doing repeatedly, realizing that we are robots and we are repeating patterns over and over again. So touch those patterns. What is your morning drink? Upgrade that. What is your beverage for energy? Is it coffee or whatever it is? Upgrade that. If you're, if you're sleeping, upgrade your bed. If you're sitting in front of your computer, look at your chair and ergonomics. So in, in the end, it's not a 30-day course you do online for a ketogenic diet. It, it's not your gym membership. It is not some fancy gear you downloaded or, or, or got from the internet. It is, in the end, all those small things that you do repeatedly and the, the, and the decisions along with them that make you over time. So if you can optimize a single day of your life, thinking like from the morning when you wake up to the evening when you go to sleep, if you can think like, how can I do the things that 80% of the time I'm doing slightly differently, that over time will be the backbone, the backbone of your performance, health, and well-being, potentially anti-aging, longevity, and living a happy, joyful uh, life. I love that. I love how, I mean, there's so much that you talked about. I mean, the value of these bitter compounds in our produce, which which, which probably provide um, 
you know, profound benefit to human health above and beyond, you know, the, the vitamins and minerals that they contain, you know, and these bitter compounds are being bred out of our, of our fruits and vegetables in part because they're not as palatable, right, as the, as the sugar that we like to breed into them. If I can add, basically the bitter compounds, um, those, uh, I mean, they, they can be also toxins, but in small quantities, they can be hormetic stressors. So they're actually making you strong, stronger. They're increasing your hormesis. Uh, so you become a much more resilient uh, human being and uh, a mammal. So in the end, getting some of those bitter things, like if the compounds in turmeric and ginger, by the way, are actually toxic to their natural uh, predators like uh, fungus and and maybe other roots um, and bacteria. Uh, and, and so they produce those complex compounds to protect themselves. And if you take something like ginger and turmeric and you just grow it in isolation of the environment that is attacking it, it will not grow as many of those bitter compounds. So you can actually attest to this by uh, growing something like, let's say, uh, some herbs yourself. Uh, so if, you, if you're growing some herbs and you see that a leaf has been attacked by an ant or some kind of infection, uh, and you actually try that part of the plant afterwards, you notice that those parts and those leaves are much more bitter than the ones that have not been touched by other predators. So uh, that is basically evidence that there is uh, the plant has produced more of those protective chemicals that it is using to attack and protect itself from outsiders. Now, those are exactly the, the things that you want to get into your body. So, so there's a big discussion about medicinal mushrooms, and you can buy things like cordyceps, or chaga or reishi online uh, for supporting your immune system. Now it turns out, or, or you could have other roots like ginseng. Well, it turns out that if you have wild harvested uh, ones, or you have wild cordyceps, or wild reishi, or wild chaga, uh, wild chaga, or wild ginseng, it will have more of those bitter compounds, more more of those uh, medicinal properties compared to a wuzi that has been growing on. I don't know, wood logs somewhere indoors and has never been touched by any predators. So just like us, by being attacked by our environment, maybe that could be through heat alteration, like cold or hot temperature, or through our food uh, with all these bitter compounds that are kind of uh, stimulating our immune system. Well, that is making you more resilient. And that's also happening in the plant or in the animal or whatever you're eating. So, So you should definitely... Uh, give priority to the true warriors of nature. When you eat those, you become a true warrior yourself. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and just to kind of remind listeners, you know, the long-term evidence on the the health um, upper hand that organic produce may have on a human, you know, it's not quote unquote settled science because we don't have like long term randomized control trials to prove the value of organic over conventional. And certainly there's a lot of commerce tied to uh, each you know side of the coin. But the latest um, meta analysis of over 300 studies that I've reviewed published in the British Journal of Nutrition found that organic produce generally has higher levels of phytochemicals. Uh, you know, we, we talked about those bitter compounds, you know, which include uh, phenolic compounds, flavanols, flavonoids, um, they obviously are going to contain lower levels of pesticides by fourfold. Um, certain heavy metals are less prevalent. For example, cadmium is found, um, in half the concentration in organic produce. And there's higher antioxidant value equivalent to one to two extra servings of veggies every single day. So if you're listening to this and you're, you know, wondering what the what the value add is of organic produce, you're literally eating an additional serving of one to two, one to two additional servings of veggies just by opting for the organic greens compared to the, you know, conventionally grown greens. Let me jump in if you, if you allow, <laughs> if you, if you, uh, think about some of the foods that are now advertised as organic. Now there's a big, um, trend in biohacking to have some grass fed, butter or grass-fed meat if you're on a ketogenic diet or grass-fed 
organ meats or whatever. Um, so that's kind of, they think that that's the optimized state that is not just organic, but it's grass fed. It, it got some time outside. To me, that's the minor upgrade. The, the true upgrade is a wild herb fed cow that has been grazing up and down mountains freely in abundant ecosystem. And, you know, cows and animals in general, they would actually select grass only if, you know, other things that are much more bitter and more complex in taste. Uh, if Basically, if there is, you know, nothing better available, then they would eat grass. So I just witnessed one day, I was in the forest, and, and deer was eating leaves from a tree. So here you have it. It is opting for a more nutrient-dense, more bitter um, intake of plant material. And if there is no leaves available, then it goes and finds some grass. Now, that basically brings us to um, the fact that if you want to have, you know, the best possible ghee even, uh, you want to have that from a wild herb-fed cow that has been grazing. um, And actually the ghee should have been cooked in the high altitude because then it affects the high altitude affects the temperature of boiling point of of your butter and um, in the end you get less of those um, uh, kind of uh, uh, burning uh, burning advanced glycation end products into the end product uh, when you are doing this in extremely high altitude so uh, when we think of our food, we should definitely think of the soil where it comes from. Uh, we should think of the region where it comes from. If you think of organic green tea from China and you compare that to organic green tea from Europe, the organic green tea in Europe has less uh, heavy metals and pesticides because organic doesn't mean that in the end product it's, it's void of uh, maybe neighboring plantations or uh, rainfall. Um, so, so that actually is very key to understanding organic food is that if you think of the plantation, it should be higher than, uh, maybe some, uh, industrial, industrial, um, uh, farms because of rainfall and the water, and it will basically flush all the pesticides anyway to your field. So the location is key here. Um, what's in the atmosphere is key. And, and all of that you know, comes back to us as well. Maybe filtered water is awesome. But for me, I live in Finland. There's millions of lakes here. There's actually hundreds of thousands of lakes. And for our national sport is going to the Finnish sauna for, for the heat and then going to the ISC lake for the the cold and uh, maybe then drinking some spring water and we have hundreds of functional or thousands of uh, functional springs that you can easily access uh, from any big city uh, maybe half in, within a half an hour uh, to get fresh water from the ground that is already uh, structured also um, naturally you don't need to structure it yourself you don't need to do anything about it it's it's awesome as it is so there's so many ways how we can think about our food and how we can optimize that it's amazing how practical is the advice to look for herb fed cows i mean is that something that's common in finland because i mean I, I don't think i've seen that anywhere in the supermarkets that i shop in well if you are uh, in continental europe and you are maybe in in the alps uh, you naturally get that. You don't have to look for it. Uh, so if you if you go to the mountains in Spain or Italy or France or 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 you go to the countryside in Germany, um, you you probably get pretty good stuff already. So in Finland, we are not necessarily getting you know the best possible cow meat because most of the year is actually uh, pretty cold and there is no grass, and not to mention other fe- other um, feed, but what I know is that uh, we have banned the use of uh, certain things like uh, uh, gene manipulated soy is not allowed in in the fed. So I'm I'm pre- getting pretty good um, nutrients already um, uh, from the feed that is used. But what I would go for is things like reindeer here or deer from a forest. Uh, uh, reindeer farming is is 
pretty big uh, in Finland. And uh, they graze freely in Lapland and they eat, uh, I don't know the term in English, but there's this growth on trees, in old trees. Um, it's called knot. And uh, knot is also a sign of um, quality air. So knot doesn't grow on trees in areas where the air has been polluted. So uh, by knowing that, I also know that the animals are less likely to have um, increased amounts of uh, heavy metals uh, in the feed and uh, in the end uh, in their flesh. So I might go for something like reindeer instead. We touched on mushrooms a little bit earlier and listeners of my podcast are familiar with uh, one of the sponsors of my podcast, which is Four Sigmatic. And I think hanging out with you in Sweden uh, three years ago was really the first time I it clicked for me the value of these quote unquote medicinal mushrooms. Um, and so I know uh, there was a mushroom that um, nobody's talking about that you find to be very uh, useful as a, as a health boosting um, addition to one's diet. So let's just talk about that if we can for a little bit. Yeah. So when we talk about mushrooms, uh, we should make, a distinction between the mushrooms that grow on the ground that are usually seasonal and they 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 kind of exist for the autumn and then they go off um, the fruiting bodies and the mycelium keeps them going underground but then you have mushrooms that grow on tree trunks and uh, those are often uh, multi-year ones so they don't they they can sustain winters and um, these so-called polypore mushrooms are the ones that we often see advertised as medicinal mushrooms. And there's a few reasons to that. So polypore mushrooms, they need to produce, and they have the time also, to produce more complex chemistry because of the time aspect. They need to live a long life, and they, so they have more uh, things to protect themselves for. And uh, these polypore mushrooms are basically building up these uh, complex this complex chemistry. They are the chemists of the forest together with the trees to protect themselves. Now, what they are also doing, they're concentrating the medicinal properties of the tree itself that they grow on. Wow. So you have a, a chaga, for example, that is a parasite of trees like birch, and uh, eventually it will kill the tree. But what it does, the fruiting body is uh, of, of a chaga mushroom is concentrating the medicinal compounds from the birch tree itself so there's these compounds that give a birch tree its white color now some of those also accumulate on the mushroom itself so you're actually extracting the tree into the mushroom and then when you take that mushroom now now tree because it lives you know tens uh, or decades or hundreds of years it needs to produce even more of complex chemistry to protect itself from uh, infections and fungus or bacteria, etc. Now, by eating a mushroom from a tree, you get the benefits of the tree itself. Now, some of those things that grow on, on, on tree trunks can be uh, toxic, but most of these so-called polypore mushrooms, uh, look it up if you, if you uh, don't know what it is, uh, you will uh, figure, figure out that uh, many of them are actually not really toxic. But they, they have high amounts of certain car uh, complex carbohydrates that are very, very hard to digest. So if you actually ate a chaga mushroom, it would um, cause some stomach pains. But you can make an extract with water and alcohol. Now, some of the compounds in these mushrooms are water-soluble, and some of the compounds are uh, fat or alcohol-soluble. So if you are looking for the uh, anti-inflammatory compounds, you often get them easily by a water extraction. But if you're looking for maybe some antifungal, anti anti-cancer uh, properties, uh, then you want to do an alcohol or fat extraction. So you basically boil the mushroom uh, for four to six hours on low temperature, and, and then you filter it out as tea. And you can do that multiple times with, with a mushroom like chaga. And in the end... Once you don't get any color out of the mushroom anymore, then you do an alcohol extract out of it. So you basically fill a bottle with uh, with some 
uh, strong spirit, spirit and you put the mushrooms in for two weeks and you get the alcohol extract. Now you can combine the water extract and the alcohol extract for double potency. Now, chaga mushroom is great. It gives you, um, it increases your stamina. So if you go for a run, you can actually run much further with the help of chaga. It's also immunomodulant. So it modulates your immune system, which is awesome um, in times of the year when there is high risk of getting an infection. Um, uh, some of these mushrooms like reishi is also a very good uh, nervous system tonic. So if you are a bit stressed out, getting some of those things into your system will balance things out nicely on the on the HPA axis. And um, your hormones, so often these can actually help you balance things like cortisol. Now, now other thing that is uh, key for this is blood sugar management. And that's the primary reason why I put into my coffee, not water, but a chaga tea or some other form of a mushroom tea. Now, Four Sigmatic made these things easy. So you can get their double extracts and you can just mix them up with, with hot water. Uh, and I prefer to throw that into my coffee or uh, a tea. And um, so what you're getting also is more balanced blood sugar management. So it turns out that some of the compounds in these mushrooms really help you to regulate blood sugar. So if your blood sugar is too high, it brings it down. If it's too low, it brings it up. And one of the mushrooms that I found to be most useful for this purpose is probably pretty unknown uh, to most people who have studied these things in, in the biohacking community. So the mushrooms that are most popular are things like uh, cordyceps that uh, is very good for giving you coffee-like energy and uh, it's good for before before workouts uh, chaga mushroom is great for immune system support and and kind of um, giving you longer periods of time with with some stamina and and avoiding it, it helps you to manage stress then there's reishi which is awesome for stress management in the evening to wind down now a fourth mushroom that I want to add is a mushroom called Agaricus blase. Agaricus blase is a medicinal mushroom that has been used in the Brazilian rainforests uh, traditionally as a medicine uh, for preventing a range of diseases, including infections and allergies, even cancer. And uh, scientists have have uh, examined um, the compounds in Agaricus blase. And they have found it rich in immunomodulating polysaccharides, uh, especially beta-glucans. And beta-glucans are key for uh, their anti-tumor, anti-infection, anti-allergic, anti-asthmatic properties. But also, uh, beta-glucans are key for blood sugar management as well. And I've done uh, tests with real-time blood sugar monitors, not because I have diabetes, but because I'm interested in steady energy levels and uh, when, I, when I do my work. And uh, some of the compounds that I found to be most useful for balancing a blood sugar spike are um, things like cinnamon, um, uh, fiber, but also medicinal mushrooms, and especially agaricus blase. It, it's great. Not just for its anti-inflammatory properties, but it completely flattens out your blood sugar values. And I have several friends who who can attest to this. I have a friend who is a is a type two diabetic, and and from her I discovered about this mushroom that she did tests on a bunch of different things, and she found that this one worked best. And uh, so I, I can definitely recommend from my own experience also if you are battling with uh, insulin spikes and blood sugar crashes and uh, maybe you have pre-diabetes or something, you may want to take a look at this mushroom. That's amazing. We'll put a link to some some resources in the, uh, the show notes for this. And um, the uh, if you guys are interested in trying any of the Four Sigmatic products, they you know carry reishi, chaga, cordyceps. You can always head over to foursigmatic.com slash max or use promo code max. Save 15% off. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, like I feel like it was at the biohacker summit in Stockholm where I really got to kind of experiment with them for the first time. And 
you have an event coming up in November, which I want to talk about a little bit. Um, I was uh, enlisted to be one of the keynote speakers, which I'm, I'm very excited for. Why don't you share a little bit uh, with the audience about what they can expect from that event? I mean, a lot of my listeners are based in the US, some are based in Europe, but wherever you happen to be in the world, it's definitely something worth going to. I mean, again, it was kind of life-changing for me. Yeah. If you want to discover the secrets of longevity uh, that are abundant and uh, natural to our habitat here in, in Europe. So in, in the biohacking community, there is a lot of interest into the health benefits of sauna or cold water, uh, basically different thermogenic or thermogenesis um, uh, or thermogenic effects. Now, you should come to the you know country where these things have been part of our culture. So the sauna originates from Finland. Yeah. And uh, you can experience smoke saunas. We have in this conference, we have a thermogenic spa where we have everything when it comes to uh, heat alteration. So we have traditional Finnish wood heated sauna. We have smoke saunas. We have ice baths. We have hot uh, baths. We also have uh, some of the modern technologies like cryotherapy. So a cryo chamber, if you want, haven't tried one, you can try that there and go to a smoke sauna right afterwards. Uh, we also have infrared saunas and by the way you should never call an infrared sauna a sauna it's not a sauna according to the international sauna federation it's not a sauna it is a infrared room it's some kind of infrared heating room the sauna can only be used as a term to describe the traditional dry sauna now whatever the definition is um, i like to combine many of these things so in my sauna i have a dual properties i have the dry uh, traditional sauna and I have some infrared panels also because they deliver different benefits now uh, the benefits of a of a traditional Finnish sauna is because of the higher temperature uh, you activate more of those heat shock proteins heat shock proteins were originally discovered that uh, in cells there are these proteins that react to high heat so they noticed that those got those went up but they also noticed later on that these same proteins these so-called heat shock proteins also increase in number when you expose the cell to radiation or cold or other stressors and what they do they help you to clean out intracellular waste and uh, uh, it helps really the cell to uh, start to repair itself and uh, there is a cascade of different effects of of doing heat and cold alteration so it activates uh, basically going to a traditional finnish sauna it activates the pathways related to longevity genetically like foxo tree now when you go to ice uh, ice bath or ice swimming and you go to a cold temperature um, what is happening is you're giving a beating or a good training to your cardiovascular system. So when you go to ice ice bath, your veins will contract to protect your vital organs. Uh, so most of the blood goes around your vital organs and your peripheries will, will shrink. Now, when you go to a hot um, uh, sauna, they expand. So that's kind of like a gym workout for your veins. Uh, and your cardiovascular system and when you do this on a weekly basis you go one or once or twice a week to a, to a traditional sauna do some ice swimming you reduce your risk for getting seasonal flu by 66 percent uh, because you also increase the number of uh, white blood cells uh, so your immune system will be uh, upregulated from uh, constant exposure to some of these stressful situations and this is a, exactly an example of a hormetic stressor that makes you more resilient so your body will be more better able to adapt to stressful situations the other nice effect that you get from the cold is the increase of brown adipose tissue bat so basically some of your uh, white fat cells that most of you want to get away from uh, get, get get away um, will convert to brown uh, fat cells brown adipose tissue and these uh, these brown fat cells, they are helping you to generate heat without um, shivering. And when you generate heat in this way, you are actually using uh, 
white fat uh, as a source of energy. So that's how babies uh, thermoregulate themselves. They have a bunch of BAT around their spine. As an adult, you lose that unless you train for it. So you have to train heat alteration to increase BAT around your spine. And in that way, you shiver less in wintertime. I live here in the northern part of, uh, of the planet in Finland. Uh, it, it's a long winter. It's freezing cold. And if you come on 1st and 2nd of November to Helsinki, Finland, you can experience you know, the traditional, traditional ways of uh, dealing with cold. So if you ever had problems with cold, come over and we teach you how you can deal with that. We also bring you the, the traditions. We have some sauna shamans you know, sharing some of their techniques um, in there and some experts on stage who, who tell you about the benefits of these, including some of the top experts on, on the Wim Hof method are coming along. The theme of Biker Summit in Helsinki is optimize your day. So the basic idea is to start from the mo moment when you wake up to the moment when you go to sleep. And we will help with our specialists um, from all around the world to optimize your day, to take your physical and mental performance to the next level. We believe that time is our most limited resource and the way how we spend our time determines our success, health and well-being. So the way how we do something, we do everything. And if you optimize a single day, you will have the keys to your own destiny. That's kind of the uh, the the uh, the promise of this event. And we have 40 plus keynote speakers and we have a couple of thousand people on a two-day event. And you, Max, you also joined us as a speaker. And if you come to this event as a VIP, you can join the speaker's dinner. But that's not the speaker's dinner that you usually have in other conferences, but it's called the Upgrade Dinner. Because we believe that fine dining is so last season, and because we believe that you know some of these basic biohacking recipes can be definitely improved, so we have uh, designed a six-course menu that you will join, cooking and learning how to do it, in guidance of um, an award-winning chef in Nordic uh, and wild uh, and seasonal cuisine, and and some biohackers who who design some of the biochemistry behind some of those dishes so that's a learning experience and after the conference we also have the upgrade offsite where we go together with max and others we go to the wilderness of finland and we sleep outside and we learn all the techniques how we can you know survive in harsh nature and so we have some of the top personal trainers there and we have also some book launches there the biker's handbook that me and my co-authors have written uh, so I work with Dr. Oli Soviarvi and nutrition specialist Jaakko Halmettoja. So I'm a technology specialist more in this book. The Biker's Handbook is it's, it's a huge manual and we will have our official kind of a book launch event there because that's around the time when we uh, uh, announced the availability of the book in, in North America. But um, together with uh, you, Max, we can now start shipping the Biker's Handbook to people already at free shipping cost directly from here from europe uh, with the code uh, genius foods so with the genius foods if you go to biohackingbook.com you can get it uh, already at free shipping costs and the same code genius foods also works for biker summit and you basically get uh, the tickets at uh, the super early bird price uh, you basically get the previous price point with this code so right now the ticket price is uh, 247 you get it for 197 uh, if you're interested in joining us so um, it, it's going to be a huge exhibition a lot of cool side events um, I forgot to mention the optimized day workshop where you also learn hands-on how to practically optimize your day so if you're a biohacker interested in it healthy lifestyle you know it's a good reason to come to Europe and also maybe you want to combine that with a visit to Lapland where Santa Claus comes from and where you can experience true uh, silence and true nature uh, where the, no one's really there. Uh, expect some reindeers and and uh, you and the uh, northern lights. I love it. I mean, normally when I have conversations about biohacking, it usually devolves into some combination about like wearable technology and the quantified self and you know i mean certainly there's a, a time and place for all of those tools but i love in particular how your approach 
and the approach that you put forth in the biohackers handbook is really nature centric. That's like a, I mean, I, I think it's, it's huge. And I just want to appreciate, um, you know, how, uh, how involved, um, nature via its, you know, various potential exposures is in your protocol. Yeah. So in the North American, uh, biohacking culture, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, optimal human performance, uh, better, faster, stronger kind of things. Like how do you sleep less and get more done? And there's a lot of discussion about supplements and nootropics and all that. Uh, here in Finland, we have something called every man's right. We can go to nature. We can pick up things for, from even from private land. No one's going to come after you. Um, there's no signs of no trespassers or any of that. You can pick up your own mushrooms. You can pick up your own herbs. You can pick up your own wild berries. And no one's going to care as long as you're not like 100 meters from the closest uh closest uh home so uh we have this you know in our culture in our dna that you could just go to a forest and it's for you it's every man's right basically you can't cut down trees but you can take definitely the fruiting bodies uh, of mushrooms from those trees uh if if there there is any and um so uh wilderness and being a wild person is is kind of close to our nature and for us uh, supplements are what they are they are supplements to a proper balanced nutrient-rich diet so we have our our own share of superfoods and um, many of the foods that grow here in the north they need to fight for their life because it's it's so damn cold and it's a long winter and and many things uh, from trees to mushrooms to berries they they are much tougher versions of of the industrial f- products of food manufacturing and, and are great for for those reasons now wh- the things that i need to supplement on are things like vitamin d because we don't get enough sunlight there are things like maybe you know fish oil even uh nowadays because um the baltic sea is not the cleanest sea in the world anymore uh but we definitely have uh great lakes and uh, uh, the waters inside of our country are, are pristine the nature is pristine the water is pristine uh, so we still have that uh, it has not been destroyed fully by industrial uh, companies yet so 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 i really appreciate that in a land area that is similar um to uk we have only 5.5 million habitants uh, so there is much more space for every single one of us here. Uh, so when we wrote the Biohackers Handbook, we we really want to start from the basics um, of you know restoring homeostasis with with natural means, and then bring all the tech because we are also a high tech country into the equation where it's needed, and and maybe in some cases also uh, supplements uh, where where they make most sense and by the way we have some of the top superfood uh, product companies in the world if you go to any of these natural um, kind of uh, local organic food stores uh, or health stores we have a bigger selection than just about any country in europe and part of that is that uh, you know it could be raw chocolates it could be uh, different kind of uh, uh, superfoods or plant extracts or mushroom extracts we have several companies like food in uh, Tamo, um are some of the biggest ones uh, there's a, several smaller producers but they are all of high quality there's one called arctic warriors for um uh, one of my favorites is their spruce sprout powder which i which i use plentiful in my cooking and uh yeah, for Sigmatic, that is now also popular in in North America. But there's so many other brands that you should definitely come over to discover uh, that are not available in there uh, yet, uh, and uh, which are much much higher quality and much cleaner, especially when it comes to any of these plant or mushroom extracts. Um, we have some of the best uh, for sure. Uh, so uh, you you're welcome, everyone, to check it out. So if you if you're interested in the event. Go to Biohackers Summit 
genius.com. And you can find more information about the new event. And yeah, as a reminder, Genius Foods is your code if you want to check the tickets. So um, uh, when Max was around, uh, we actually went foraging. Uh, we foraged some wild plants. And he was for, firsthand eating a bunch of things from the from the ground um, that we pointed and said and guaranteed that they're not going to kill him. Uh, so maybe you can share some experience of doing that. You know. Well, I mean, to be to be totally honest, and not I'm not speaking in hyper hyperbole when I say that that was. I mean, I was on a high for six months after that experience. I mean, that was my first time ever foraging and you guys are such experts, you know, and it was just so great to be taught by you guys um, and to to literally eat off the ground. I mean, that was one of the, that was, it was a peak life experience. Like I'm not saying that, I'm not exaggerating. It was amazing. And it's something that, you know, me having grown up in New York City and Los Angeles, like that's something that I would never conceive of doing. Um, even if it were possible in New York, because it's just so dirty, you know, like, mm. but, uh, that was amazing. getting to, uh, sauna with a group of Finns was an experience unlike anything I've ever had. I mean, I sauna all the time, but, um, getting to do it with you guys and see how the, how the, how the, the birthers of the sauna culture do it was, uh, was amazing. And then, um, jumping into the Baltic sea, yeah. you know, we went to one of those beautiful archipelagos and we were, you know, uh, doing intermittent cold plunge in between our sauna, um, sessions. It was, I mean, it was incredible. It was like just hands down amazing. I was, you know, I feel so lucky to have been there and I'm excited to do it all again. And then some yeah. in, uh, in early November. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of health benefits to, heat alteration but also being in nature it brings down your stress level it increases your uh, immunity through so many different pathways and uh, finland is definitely one of the best places to to go for that and uh yeah um i've been a big fan of what you do i think you are doing a great job in exposing people to better alternatives in terms of what they can have on their plate or what to buy from a shop so thank you very much for that when you when we last met you were just writing your book and now it's out uh, it's a, it's phenomenal it's amazing it's it's a it's a bible of its own for brain health and i definitely look forward to your talk at the biker summit on how people can also uh, basically optimize their brain health and performance through uh, different dietary choices uh, when it comes to optimizing your day. So, uh, yeah, with that, you know, um, I'm really looking forward to to meeting you again. I can't wait. Well, we're almost out of time. I've got just one last question for you. Um, before we get to that, how can listeners, you've already shared um, that they can, uh, you know, the, the links to go to, or the URLs rather, to learn more about the Biohacker Summit, pick up a ticket, and to get the Biohacker book. Where can listeners connect with you over social media? Yeah. So if you want to connect with us on social media, check out uh, on Instagram, Biohacking Book. Um, you can also find my personal account, which is T-A-R-1-N-A. Uh, that's where you can follow. I have mainly, you know, nature photos and macro photos of mushrooms, a bunch of other things. But if you want to follow the biohacking advice, the biohacking book is awesome. And also biohackingbook.com. You can download for free the sleep hacking guide. Um, and uh, if you want, you can also get the either the electronic book of the Barker's Handbook, or you can order the print hardcover, you know, the massive Bible edition of uh, the Barker's Handbook, uh, and for free shipping also with the code Genius Foods. Yeah, the physical book is amazing. I mean, it's a it's such a it's so densely packed with information, and it's also not just like a it's not like you what your typical book looks like. It's a beautiful big uh format coffee table book so it looks great on your coffee table yeah while also sending a message to you know any house guests that you might have that you are a you know that you're a biohacker which is pretty cool mm, it's 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 massive it's massive i mean the, just it took us five years to write this book and uh one of our team members is an illustrator so every single page in that book is illustrated so it's it's not some of those like quickly 
put together manuals in a half a year. But this some this is something that we put our blood and heart and willpower into producing. So and uh, it's out. Uh, take a look at it. You know, um, this is something that we would have done for ourselves. So we did it in a format that other people can benefit from it. It's beautiful. Well, you're invited back onto the podcast anytime. I mean, there's so much that we didn't. We covered so much, and there's still so much that we didn't get to cover like red light photobiomodulation, which is something that I've become sort of interested in. Um, but we're out of time. We're going to have you back. The last question that gets asked to everybody on the genius life is Temu, what does it mean to you to live like a genius? <laughs> oh my goodness. So being genius is basically, if you take the definition of wisdom, um, if you look at knowledge, information, information is something that is data that has been codified that uh, you can transmit over the internet, for example, that's information. Now, knowledge is something where that information has been contextualized. It is tacit knowledge. It is part of you. And there's a lot of knowledge out there that you can't really transmit. So a good way to think about it is that uh, you know more than you can say and you can say more than you can ever write down so when it comes to genius and wisdom it goes beyond that it goes to your decisions it is all about your decisions of past current and future you so being well informed by your experiences and also your intuition about the future that that really makes you a genius and when it comes to genius foods it basically is all about understanding your food, where it comes from, where it is, and where it is going. It is understanding, you know, yourself, your current biological state, and where it's going, and the combination of you and the environment. It's basically understanding yourself as a system, a complex system, a complex interconnected system. Uh, you're part of a larger ecosystem, and becoming part. A well becoming a well-functioning part of that ecosystem is all about becoming a genius in in these times that we are living. So definitely, that will then result in you know better cognitive performance and health and well-being and all that, uh, and and you know smarter food choices. But but kind of getting down the fact that you know uh, you are not isolated from your physical environment, and that's where biohacking really starts from: is to reconnect with your environment and with nature and with your true self. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. This was an amazing chat. And to all you guys out there listening in podcast land, please take a moment to share this episode of the show, highlight your favorite uh, quote from Temu or I tag him in it, um, tag myself, pick up his book. It's a, uh, it's a great investment. Um, you know, it's packed with information and also, I hope to see you at the Biohacker Summit in Helsinki, Finland at the very beginning of November of this year. Definitely, uh, it's going to be worth the expense. If you live in the US, it'll be worth it just to get over there. Um, it's going to be tons of fun. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing you there, hopefully. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. This has been another episode of The Genius Life. Peace. <laughs>